Welcome to the News Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and we are a man down today. We have Mr. Mike Theobald. It's me. You're kind of one and a half men down, because I can't be asked today, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, well, I've got lots to do. I'm done in, so yeah. Like, one and a half men down. We're not even, we haven't even got one man. We're just, just shy of one man between us. Yeah. So you're a half, and I barely even make up a, a half, so. Now, it's your anniversary today as well, so you've got other things to be doing. So this is a token pod. Terry's uh, unwell, so get well, Terry. Um, but yeah, this is like a token one that we're chucking out. It's not going to be very long, I suspect. Um, but yeah, we thought we'd better do something, really. Because unlike Fight Talk, you know, we're committed to this. <laughs> All right, Sam. <laughs> They've got a big a big guest on next week, he says. I don't know who it is. So I need to message him, find out. But whoever it is, make sure you listen into it. Uh, we, we decided to squeeze this one in just because there's a big... Night, well, I mean, it wasn't the only reason, but there's a big night of boxing obviously next weekend. Um, and well, you were at the Goodwin show last night, there's a few things to get through. And, and we asked for questions for the first time in God knows how long. Well, so. only because if not, we'd have had like 30 minutes tops, we'd have been <laughs> out. Um, which probably about what our original pods were, yeah. To be, probably, don't, don't, don't go back and listen, by the way, yeah, they are horrendous. Uh, <laughs> These aren't great. I was going to say, many would argue that that is the same yeah, yeah. standard as these. The but. benchmark hasn't raised. but um, Right. Okay. Where do you want to start? Would you rather start? Oh, unless you've got anything exciting. You went to a car boot sale today. Ah, uh, yeah, I did a car. Just clear out the house. She said that people were turning up at half past five with head torches. Oh, uh, honestly, you know those... <laughs> it, looked, it was a scene like, you know those kids that were trapped in the cave over in Thailand or whatever? Oh, yeah, people that look like they were dressed to go and help them out. <laughs> They've got like caving torch on their head looking through your car. You're like, Fuck off. Like, <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. But I had so much stuff to get out of the house. And yeah, you just go and do that, don't you? Because that's but, a British thing to do. And then yeah. just go and take everything else down the dump at the end. But, well, that was, I was going to say, the, uh, what was it? The, uh, you, you, <laughs> basically gave to that bloke right at the end. I gave some dude my old punch bag because <laughs> uh, it was about to go in my car. He showed an interest, and so he then got stuck with it. Like it, I'm not even sure he wanted it really, but <laughs> he faked an interest, and so he got it for Just nothing. Thrust into his chest, and before he could say no, you were burning rubber down the road. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Poor bloke. Uh, you're right. It's been uh, my anniversary today. Um, we're. Aww. I feel like we need a uh, love songs or whatever. What's his name? Radio Two Geezer. I was going to go Mayo, but it's not Simon Mayo. Is I it? don't know. Nah. But uh, I, to be honest, if I just Steve tell, Wright, if I just tell what I've been up to and you're singing love songs in the background, that probably does just as well. All right. What sort of love song? Who's starting, me or you? Um, I'll come in halfway through your love song. What song? What sort of love song have you got in your um, jukebox brain? Your list of go-to love songs oh nikita is the other side 
So I basically, yeah, um, we went for uh, went to the Shard. Um, did, you engage? did you get engaged? No. What, She's going to leave you for someone better. <laughs> why are you shaking your head? Um, She's going to leave you for someone better who so, will marry her. So we went to the... You don't um, deserve her. <laughs> we went to the Shard and we went to the viewing gallery and there's like four million people standing in line for the for the viewing gallery and I, I looked at Michaela she looked at me and I was like no chance is it true you can take a piss and look out over London like with your penis in your hand uh, I didn't actually go to the toilet to be honest ah, um, you should, I would go and do it just for that yeah I remember someone telling me that actually but I don't I mean we didn't actually end up going to the viewing gallery we just went into one of the bars um, but then right got up there had a drink and uh Vodka, lime and soda and a glass of red wine. What do you reckon it came to? Well, I'm going to say something shoot like 80 quid now, so then yours sounds stupid. Well, it still doesn't sound stupid because a red wine and a glass of, uh, like I say, uh, vodka, lime and soda for 33 quid. Fuck about. <laughs> Wait a <laughs> yeah. minute. What, what did you have, though? Uh, a because... beer. A beer, mate. Yeah, yeah, Michaela is a drunkard, mate. I, just, I got the free beer that comes when you order what, those two girl drinks. Yeah, neither of these are acceptable. <laughs> Um, but then I got to the bottom of my beer and yeah. <laughs> vodka, lime and beer. And there was a bit of orange peel at the bottom. I was like, what the fuck? So then the black gave me money back for it. So it wasn't cheap, but it still wasn't as expensive as it could have been. However, sat in the bar, you could see across London. And I must be honest, it was a bit... Pff, I don't I, want to look across London, if I'm honest. Yeah, it really was a bit like that. And then we went oh, to... Oh, there's um, someone getting knifed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We went, uh, went to uh, Marco Pierre White's London Steakhouse Company or something. But that was good. Was that it? That was really, really, really good. Kayla said it was average. No, that was that was today. We went to um, a New York Steak, the New York Italian Eatery or something in Mount right. Keynes. That was shit. Anyway. That was shit. Um, anyway, for those of you that have actually tuned in to listen to us talk about boxing. You've wasted your time. <laughs> yeah, because Terry's not here, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's talk about. Well, should we, should we? Do you want to start with the Goodwin show because you were there? Makes sense, doesn't it? It was a bit of a feeder show. I had a big show last week with Wally Camacho winning the Commonwealth title, Michael Rambabalatza winning the English. Next week, December the first, cracking show. So they got Miles Shinkwin, Joel McIntyre for the English, uh, Jack Hughes versus Ricky Little for Southern Area Super Flyweight. They got Dion Juma versus Linus. Oh no. no. <laughs> no Linus uh, Dion Juma versus Ozzy Gervier for the Southern Area Cruiserweight No Linus versus Taylor Jones which I'm still upset about Yeah. Um, and some other decent fights Yusuf Kamari versus Dave Birmingham quality prospect Yusuf Kamari really good fighter uh, Dave Birmingham's first real test of his career Dave Birmingham's coming off upsetting another prospect so yeah really looking forward to that last night's card was a bit weak like truth be told it was, um, you know, it was a show of prospects and learning fights. I mean, you can kind of sum it up by the fact that the biggest fight was a six-rounder. Um, the reason being for that is that Steve doesn't like to do title fights on shows when he's not there because as the manager of the fighters, he wants to be there, win or lose, to work with them after. He was away in Monaco with Frank Buglioni last night, so... Which we'll cover in a minute. Yeah, so it makes sense. Are you playing me your penis? Fuck's sake. I'm adjusting it. It's a, there's a lot of meat down there, mate. <laughs> Stash from Marco Pierre White. 
Um, yeah, so it was uh, headlined by Sam Gilly versus Ryan Toms. Ryan Toms, two times seven area champion, coming off the back of beating uh, Olympian Fred Evans the other week. Um, also, he lost to Fowler recently. He beat um, Arthur Herman. He's not a bad fighter. Ryan, uh, sorry, Sam Gilly. What was he? Seven and oh, eight and oh, going into last night. Young lad, really good prospect. Trained by Rod Julian. Um, I thought, truth be told, I thought uh, Sam would lose because Ryan's on a roll at the moment. I thought it was too early for Sam, um, but he did a, a stellar job on him. Um, stopped him in three rounds. Um, lovely faint up top, and then right hand delivered into the body. You know, you see a man fold over in half. Yeah. Ryan Toms folded in half and the rest stood over him going, one, two. And you, when you get to like five, you think that's when you've got to start getting to your feet. Yeah. But at five, he's still, and he sat right in front of me because it's right in front of where I was. He's still in like excruciating pain uh. to the body. You're like, he's, he's not making it. He is not making it. It was a cracking shot. Um, so yeah, congrats to Sam Gilly. Because I say, truth be told, I thought it was too early for him, but... Chatted to the lad beforehand, and he was saying, look, maybe it is too early for me, but if after eight fights I'm not good enough to beat someone like Ryan Toms, then I probably shouldn't be in this sport anyway. Well, and I really what, like that that's attitude. That's refreshing, of, isn't it? Yeah. I love that attitude of Sam. He's a really nice lad. Um, but yeah, his view was, look, if I'm not good enough to beat Ryan, that's fine. But I want to find out now, rather than get to like 15 and 0, <sighs> keep on beating. Whatever happened to 25 and 0 after 25 bums? That's what I want to see. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was saying, look, I could get to 15 and 0 easily, fighting loads and loads of yeah. foreign journeymen, but I don't want to do that. I want to find out now if I'm good enough. So, I really respect that. I've got a, a new warming towards Sam on the back of that. So, congratulations, Sam. Um, I know not to doubt you next time. But it sets him up nicely for titles for next year. Really good, super welterweight, um, so light middleweight. But he's probably, he must be touching six foot. Um, big lad. But yeah, it's it's nice because these smaller shows, you get to sit around with people a bit as well and, and have a chat. So I sat with Waddy Camacho last night for pretty much all of the show. Brought down his Commonwealth title and we're just sit sitting chatting really. And uh, that's nice and various other people that you bump into. There was a young Kazakh lad. For the life of me, I cannot remember what his name was. Um, come out of Stonebridge, I think. Um, just really weird. Like, you don't see Kazakh lads in York Hall, particularly. Um, and if they are, it might be a, you know, <laughs> there's an off chance you might get a journeyman or whatever. This lad's in the home corner. He was tremendous. Like, such a good talent. I'm going to have to find his name whilst I talk. But um, what, he was, like in terms of his boxing ability, you Ability... Mean? Power, speed, um, speed, and I was chatting with um, uh, Josh Goodwin. He said it's rare that you. He said we offered this lad somebody else for his debut, and he said I don't want someone that's in a risk of just getting knocked over. He said I want someone who's there to like fight me. And so the guy he'd got Peter Abansky has been in with Golovkin and did like three, four rounds with Golovkin, going back a few years now. So like he's tough as as nails. This guy. Um, but yeah, he, uh, it was a good little fight. But I say he was just a real prospect of a kid. Um, I was really impressed with him. He's Almut Bekbawov. So keep an eye out for Almut Bekbawov. I can forgive the fact that you couldn't remember that name. No, so. there's no hope. No hope. <laughs> um, I reckon if we asked you in 10 minutes' time, that might not. I, I certainly asked me in five minutes' time, and it's not coming out again. So yeah, he was probably the standout 
of the undercard. Ramez Mahmood did a good job on his lad. Um, there are a few lads there, if I'm honest, that I, I don't enjoy watching. I'm not going to say names on here, but there are a few that... <sighs> Basically, if mine hasn't said your name... No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> There's one or two that were fighting, one that stands out, but um, that I just... I don't know. You kind of... you got a lad who's had a handful of fights that you just think... I, I don't know what you're in this for. And I think there's clearly a, a skills gap somewhere, but you're chasing a dream. I, I just don't think you're going to achieve. I, I always struggle with lads like that. Like, what are you what are you aiming to get out of this? Is it to to win titles? Is it to tell your mates you're a boxer? I don't know what it is. Yeah, but see, when, when I was a lot younger and I'd hear someone was playing semi-professional f- football for, I don't know, flip-flop town or whatever, you think, well, that's cool. Well, they're on the books. Yeah, yeah, because they might get scouted for someone bigger. But I'll never really understand why blokes are still playing, like, at 29 years old, playing football for some pokey team. Like, could that, can those two things be related? Like, like someone going into box? Is it just because they enjoy the sport? I don't know, because there's not a lot. The hardest thing for any young prospects to do is sell tickets. You've got to sell, I don't know, say 100 tickets to be able to find. Yeah, so that pays for your opponent. Which you don't have to do if you're just playing for a football team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so you've got to pay in that money. So that's a real grind on any young sportsman trying to make it, is having to sell 100 tickets. You listen to this. Think of 100 people right now that would pay 40 quid to come and watch you fight. <laughs> I can't. I, right, okay. I might be able to... I One, I don't think I could. But even if I stretch, maybe, maybe once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> once is all I'm getting out of those yeah. people. And once they've come along and watched you and realised you're not the next Ricky Hatton, <laughs> it's a struggle then to convince for the second, third, fourth, fifth time to come <laughs> down. Well, we, why did you think he was going to be Rick, Ricky Hatton? Well, he looked like Ricky Hatton when Ricky Hatton was in his off-season. Like. <laughs> it's like Hatton now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I struggle to understand it sometimes, the more that I see of it. But each their own, you know, these lads are chasing a dream. Who am I to say they shouldn't be? It's just, I think for all the graft you've got to go through, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's an odd one to me. Yeah. Um, but I say there were some, some really talented up-and-coming kids. William Webber is one to keep an eye out for. He was a, a Peter Sims fighter, fought on a matchroom next-gen card and got knocked out by uh, Eric Kahn, who I think his name was, um, up from Portsmouth. And uh, it was a terrible, terrible bit of matchmaking, I think, at the time. William's only 20 years old now. I think he was maybe 18, maybe 19 back then. I know Eric's uh, manager. And I know he'd been struggling to get him opponents because nobody wanted to fight him because he was renowned as being quite good but couldn't sell tickets so he was going to have to go out on the road so William Webber got this lad and you know I think it was a a mistake um, by whoever matched that up but William Webber is now rebuilding 20 years old real exciting talent keep an eye out for him Um, Uh, quick question since we started this pod what three just over three years ago I think now um in terms of who wasn't on the scene at the beginning of the of that time period and who is now on the scene, uh, boxers who are are going to be who have the ability that you can from your in your opinion 
to be very, very good boxers. What the only ones that I can remember thinking that come to mind are like Josh Taylor, for example. You've waxed lyrical about him for probably at least eighteen months. I can't think of anyone. I mean, I know Tyson Fury's come on from where he was because I remember when we first started the podcast, he was just before he was giving out his phone number, wasn't he? And you would yeah, you'd yeah. give out you'd ring out ring his phone just to sort of have a chat with him and stuff like that. It was very sort of just before the pod and. So yeah, who yeah. who's fallen out of the Olympic cycle essentially would be the the answer. Um, so someone like a Joe Joyce um, could go on and achieve good things. Um, he's like thirty two, isn't he? Yeah, like. yeah, they got to rush him. He's fighting on the Fury undercard this weekend. Um, he's fighting. Oh fuck no! No one good. Um, <laughs> wow, that isn't is yeah, I can't I can't remember who it is, but it but, should be a walkover job. But we don't. There's no real prospects that have come. Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly's good. Um, Ryan Burnett came through. and <laughs> Ryan Burnett has kind of appeared. He, he was around before that to an extent, but he's come through, won a world title, unified world titles, and then got himself injured, and he's now out for six months, maybe more, maybe 12 months with the back injury that he got against Donair. So wish him well, speedy recovery. Um, but yeah, he's almost like gone the full cycle in the time that we've oh, okay. uh, we've done this podcast. There's, there's plenty of names that are, are knocking about that are ready to move up. Uh, Michael Conlon came out of the Olympics on the middle finger up to people. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Fighting yeah. Jason Cunningham on the undercard of Frampton Warrington. Yeah, he had a meltdown, 22nd. didn't he? <laughs> he went on the interview and... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, there's some of the names that stand out to me. Um, okay, so oh, oh, is that is that everything from the Goodwin show? Yeah, that ties it up pretty much. So um, then, December the 1st be a, a big show. It's a big show. Um, not many shows you get what was planned to be three Southern Area title fights plus an English title fight. Um, you know, it's now two and one. But yeah, it's uh, it's a good kind of year ender for them. Uh, Monte Carlo. Yeah, I haven't watched any of this, so it's going to be the worst interpretation of what happened in Monte Carlo <laughs> because I haven't got a clue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Cal, you find that like it's a, a load of, again, the matchroom B team almost getting sent away. So Cal, you find, you got a feel for the dude. How many world title defenses he made now? Four, is it off the top of my, I don't know. And I don't care to even open my phone up and take a look because his entire division has moved on over in America where they were doing the Superfly cards. So they were matching off the the top fighters within the division. Make no mistake, Cal Yafai is one of those top fighters in the division. He just never took his place at that table to be able to cement it. So you got a feel for him. So he, he ends up... I can't remember his last fights. Where did he do one in Birmingham, possibly? Um, but he just ends up filling spaces on like Anthony Joshua's undercards or filling a space on a card in Monaco in front of a few people. But that's no place for someone like Cal to be making a world title defence. Um, I think it was a, a fairly relatively close points victory. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see what anyone's getting out of that. I, I feel for Cal, especially given that it's super fly fighters. They're not demanding millions and millions and millions in purses. They're demanding relatively small figures for world title fights. Because that's just the nature of being a smaller fighter. So where the hell is the budget to support someone like a Cal Yafai? It shouldn't take millions and millions to do so. It should just take a small portion of that billion dollars that we hear about. 
however much of that is assigned over to the UK or whether that's ring fence and whether it's just a sky budget, whatever it is, somebody ought to be it's like almost as if the the moment has passed for Cal Yafai. Like you you're gonna struggle to legitimize him. Someone like a Roman Gonzalez who's been beaten now, Hearn talked about getting him over. Gonzalez had issues with his brain scans. I uh, I don't know. It's just I feel for Cal Yafai being stuck on that kind of card. Uh, um it wasn't just him though that we have uh, that's quite familiar to the podcast. We had Frank Buglioni fighting over there, didn't we? Frank Buglioni was fighting Fan Long Meng. Um <laughs> sounds like a baddie out of an eighties Chinese movie. It looks like, like it as well. He looks badass. Yeah, really? He looks badass. Yeah. <laughs> um again I didn't see it, but from what I understand he opened up the eye of Frank fairly early on, second, third round. Uh got stopped in the fifth, I think it was. Um yeah, don't know what to make of it, really. I don't know what you... You know, I'll speak with Steve on Tuesday about what they do with Frank now. Um, I don't know if his value is diminished because of it or whether Frank Warren would still want him for that Anthony Yard fight because he's still got the name value on a British scene. Now, I realise you can't speak for Frank and whatnot, but give it, just topically, speaking of what we spoke earlier, what are you still in the game for? Uh Frank's been British champion. He's now sort of almost has he hit the peak and he's on the downside, or you know, I, I don't want to sort of. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Like that Callum Johnson fight getting wiped out in a round. That was just a, a mistake by Frank. That Callum no, don't don't mistake that. Don't conflate that with Callum Johnson wasn't any good. Callum Johnson was brilliant and fucking took him out. Um, but you know, Frank could be better than that. But he's still got that tendency. And again, I haven't seen last night, so I can't talk about that. But based upon the Callum Johnson form, he's still got that tendency to want to just stand, trade, not move his head, and have a firefight. Um, so as he peaked, uh, the worry would be that they'll try and... Eddie will push for feeding him to a Joshua Boatze, someone like that, coming up. Um but then I don't really know what else you can do with him at the moment. But then that's that's Steve Goodwin's job is to try and direct his career in some way that, um, you know, at the moment it doesn't look great for him. doesn't look too bright. He's off the back of two losses. Um, I don't believe he's under contract with Matchroom anymore. So that does open the option that you could go and take a an Anthony Yard fight. It's whether Frank Warren still has the interest in that to pay the figures that he was talking about. So... I don't know. I don't think doors are closed on him, but also it obviously doesn't open up more opportunities by taking the loss. Right, a question from Cal at Box 1664. A fair one, Cal, because I've just read this now on my phone, so we're chucking it in. Yeah, which you, you... normally it would be it would miss the, miss the uh, cut-off by now. Yeah, but, but we're desperate, so <laughs> <laughs> you've just made the cut. <laughs> Is it possible... That Eddie will spread matchroom operations too thinly on the ground in the near to mid term, <laughs> which is a poignant question, to be fair. If so, uh, and the matchroom brand weakens, what happens to the business landscape in the UK and US? Uh, if not, how dominant will matchroom become? Uh, given how many commitments they seem to be gathering, it seems odd to me that it's almost like he's asking. He he's almost like he's stretching himself to want to expand himself. You're like, how the fuck are you going to do all this? And he's like, don't worry about that. Just give me matchroom Italy, matchroom like. <laughs> 
surely it is a real possibility that he could spread himself too thin. I think it. I think he already is. I think he already is. So, if uh, take it back a step, so he's taken on Matchroom USA, Matchroom Germany, Matchroom Italy, along with Matchroom UK, um, and his uh, premise is that they're going to. I think if you add all four together, the idea is that they're basically running more than one show per weekend on average through the year. More than one show per weekend. Right. So more than 50... I can't remember the exact number. He's given it somewhere. Um, whether you take that as gospel or not, I don't know. But it, the idea is that they they run more than one show. Um, I think <laughs> Eddie is... And somebody asked me this the other day. Do you respect what Eddie Hearn's done for boxing in the UK? Yes, 100%. I respect I what Eddie Hearn has done. Yeah, I don't think you can argue no. with it. So he's taken a sport that was in the doldr- the, the top end of the sport was in leisure centres. Um, and so he's grown that to back to where it was in, in a heyday, if you like. I'm not saying he's done great for the sport, the sporting side of it. He's done fantastically for the business side of it. The sporting side has moved along with it as well, but you can give the credit to that to, say, the GB setup for bringing through some some quality um, talents. For the coaches, the professional coaches, for bringing those talents along in the professional game. So, But what he's done, he's given them that opportunity, that platform to perform at a higher level um, on a massive stage, and you know, obviously the Wembley nights are the, and the Cardiff nights are the the highlights of that. Yeah. But you know, even when it's not that, it's big arenas. It's Manchester Arena. It's the O2. It's the Copper Box. It's the Echo Arena. It's all these places. So, Indigo yeah, Land. hundred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he doesn't do there. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, so yes, a hundred percent. He's brought it along. Is he spreading himself too thinly? So. Uh, what Hearn did a while back is brilliantly clever. It's almost that he partnered up with IFL TV. As YouTube becomes more of a phenomenon and people consume their media through different routes than traditionally through the linear TV model, Eddie tapped into that. Eddie became Eddie. Eddie became the face and the, the name of Matchroom Boxing. He's got you know however many hundreds of thousands of followers that hang on to his every word. Um, and then there are people like us that question his every word and wank off in Transformer duvets and you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, I can't be a good Transformer tug. No, no, it's one of my favourites. I mean, I personally, mine's Megatron. What about yours? Mega wank. Yeah. That's what I like. Just some, like, some Mega weird tug. Chinese rip-off. Like, <laughs> like Megatron with a big cock on it. You know the ones that are transforming into like a massive tank? It's just a penis. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, we like to keep our standards high on this body. <laughs> oh yeah, really setting those. <laughs> um, it's when Terry's not here. Or is here. Either way. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's true, yeah. So... What he did was became the personality, became the face of matchroom boxing, became the face of UK boxing to an extent because it coincided with Warren being in the the shadows to an extent. Box Nation never became the the animal that he'd hoped it would. The problem you've got is that Eddie can only be Eddie so many days of a year in so many cities around the world. 
and without him, the product is less appealing. Um, so they started to bring in Frank Smith, head of boxing at Matchroom, I think his job title is, I might be wrong, um, to start doing press conferences and things in the UK whilst Eddie's off, because Eddie's got to be the the groundbreaker over in America. You know, they can't do it without Eddie at the front of it, and they'll have to do the same with Italy and Germany. Um Frank Smith doesn't have that same appeal to people, I think it's fair to say. Um, does that damage ticket sales? Does it damage interest in an event? You'll still get Eddie tweeting about it and stuff, but how many people will watch an IFL TV uh, interview or boxing social interview with Frank Smith compared to how many will with Eddie Hearn? Those are the things that are driving the interest, the social media interest um, for these big nights. So, if you're spreading Eddie out around the world, I see it as... Do you ever play the board game Risk? Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah, so you'd have to plan and strategize your... How much... Like, what percentage of your Troops. troop you're going to take to different parts yeah. of the world. And every time you do that, you open up a gap somewhere else. Yeah. You're weakening your position where you started. I don't think it's a coincidence Al Heyman uh, is rumoured to be behind the James DeGale-Chris Eubank show in January, which meant to be happening in January. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence at all. In that, It's almost as if he's waited, knew that Eddie's plan was to take his product overseas, wait, spot that weakness, and then attack, and then go for it yourself. And then, whether that's a Trojan horse tra- uh, strategy of starting with Eubank... Um, De Gale, and then bringing in other names underneath that, perhaps, and other shows on ITV or wherever he's going to be heading. Um, I don't know, but I don't think it's a coincidence that that those two things coincide. Eddie going off around the world and Heyman coming in. So does it weaken his position? It weakens his position if in the UK, if his adversaries take advantage. Can we realistically say Frank Warren has upped his game, has upped his cards? I has... feel like, and this is purely based on, you know, my opinion. And if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you realise that's not based in, like, absolutely immersed in boxing knowledge or whatever. But it feels like, for me, Frank Warren sort of stands off almost going, you wait, this is all going to come crashing down and it'll go back to the way I had it 10 years ago. Yeah. It doesn't feel like Can't he's up his game. wait for those leisure centres again. Yeah. It doesn't feel like he's up his game to, to catch up with Eddie or responded with an equally different uh, slash different approach. It feels like he's kind of just standing back and going, well, I do it my way and this is the way I do it for whatever reason. I think the, the problem that he's got, Matchroom at Sky have got such a strong hand in that they provide so much content. They provide the darts, the fishing, the snooker, the boxing. How many hours worth of content per week Matchroom put together for live events on Sky? The table tennis, when that's on. The gymnastics they're meant to be doing. All these things sit under the Matchroom banner. And so they have a strong hand there. Frank at BT doesn't have that. He's just a boxing promoter. Boxing's a part of the BT package, but in reality, what drives the BT package is the football, the European football. Um, Rugby. Rugby, yeah. And so I was chatting with um, somebody the other day around the budget for uh, BT because they've lost the UFC now. 
uh, or very yeah, shortly. I, heard this, yeah. I don't know if it's gone yet or if it's where's, going. Where's, where's it going to? I don't know. I don't think it's been announced. But you've already lost one set of combat sport fans at that point. Because yeah. I'm not saying there's a 100% overlap between people who like boxing and people who like UFC. But there is... Well, we know that that isn't true anyway. No, no. Because I don't like watching <laughs> two that... men cuddle on the ground. But... Um, you know, if you're looking at it as a Venn diagram, there will be some that sit in the middle as both boxing yeah. and UFC fans, which is great if you're BT because you've got a boxing product, you've got a UFC product. Yeah. But they've lost that. And so do those people that were getting BT for UFC, I'm not saying it's going to be large numbers, but also took a, a glancing interest at the boxing. Are they going to go now? Um, I was surprised when... Well, surprised I wasn't, I suppose. When Fury Wilder was announced for America. Because if I'm Frank Warren... And West Coast America as well. So it's from irrespective. It was, doesn't matter. Okay. No. Because they need that headline. Like, as much as Frampton Warrington is a really, really, really good fight. And they're building up a really nice card. Mark Heffron, Leon Williams... On it, a uh, handful of others. Mm, I can't remember what they are off the top of my head. <laughs> Great card. <laughs> <laughs> really sits in the memory. Um, but it's a, it's a great headline fight. They That's what they're pushing at the moment, aside from Fury Wilder. But again, we'll come back to that. That's what they're pushing as their next big event after next weekend. Hearn goes and puts White versus Chisora on the same night on pay per view. Of course, that's a a strategic move to yeah. draw people away from the BT product. As much as Eddie will say it isn't, I'm calling bullshit on it. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on it. Um, of course it's a strategic move and I, you can't blame him for that. If somebody's trying to build their product and you can draw in your core set of, yeah. if you want casual fans, it's not a pay-per-view fight. White versus Chisora. It's not. No. It's embarrassing that it's even put on as a pay-per-view fight. I can't remember what the undercard is to it. I don't know what it is, if there even is one announced. That's how much it stands out. But you probably end up with Katie Taylor on there. and like. But as much as it pains you to say it, that will do more buys than Frampton Warrington. Yeah, It will. And that's going to damage the BT product again. Um, that's why I'm saying I'm surprised Fury versus Wilder ended up in America. Because... I would have thought you would push as hard as possible, given that Wilder has shown an inclination that he'll go and fight over in the UK for Joshua. Wilder hasn't had those big money fights out in America for his career yet. You could have put together a package that wouldn't be monumental, that would draw Wilder over, I'm sure, because the ease of which this fight appears to have been made means that... It means both sides were willing to make the fight anyway. I'm sure Wilder could have been drafted over. And that's where BT start drawing people in. The same way Hay versus Chisora boosted those numbers for Box Nation back in the day, because Box Nation was a floundering channel. And then Hay versus Chisora, everything that came with that, that boosted Box Nation at the time, cemented it as a channel, um, drew in a lot of subscribers. I just think Fury versus Wilder, I know it's pay-per-view, so I'm not saying it's going to drive long-term subscriptions, but it would draw people into the fact that BT has a boxing product. The fact it's on in America, four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, whatever it is, it's not the same, is it really? It's like, never the same. Like <clears throat> Not to us British fans. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, for Americans, I'm sure it is, but for us British fans, it's not... 
you're not going to draw in the same level of interest if it was at 10 o'clock, all right, half 11 on a franc card, uh, in the UK. <laughs> you just it, it won't happen. Yeah, I, it just feels to me with them... Um, I mean, I realise you've sort of... You said that it's irrespective, but even if it was um, East Coast, it's still not as late. You know, like they don't ha- it doesn't have to be absolute middle of... I mean, it's, the likelihood is that fight's going to kick off somewhere in the region of about 5am or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. If not I, a bit later. I don't know. I don't get American time, So I'm honest. It's, it's... Yeah, I... I find it. I really. I mean, I'm. I'm really looking forward to this fight, but as with all fights of that ilk at that time, I get to that weekend and I go, oh, "Do I really want to set an alarm for, or, <laughs> yeah. or try and stick it out for the entire night? Do I just want to record it and try and miss it until until yeah. the morning? Like, just not look at my phone in the morning and see if I can watch it that way? Because I, I just, yeah, I, I hate the idea of waking up. It affects your weekend. It does. Like it or not, it affects yeah. your weekend. And whether that is that you have to, you know, wake up and avoid doing something until you've watched it or, you know, someone else might have plans for you on Sunday morning, which means you've got to try and put it off to the yeah. after. It does affect your weekend. Whereas if it's just on a Saturday night when I haven't got any, I can plan around that. I can say, no, I'm not going anywhere Saturday night. I'm doing this. But, but could, could this be... A symptom, I realise we've kind of sloped onto Fury Wilder here, but like, could this be a symptom of the fact that Fury was, didn't feel like his hand was strong enough to pull Wilder over here and he feels like he needs to go to Wilder for that shot? But that's where you have managers and that's where you have promoters. That's not for Fury to worry about. Fury to worry about, can I get in that ring for 12 rounds or less and do a job on Deontay Wilder? His mindset isn't or shouldn't be around oh, am I commercially viable enough to bring Dion... <laughs> nah, it shouldn't be about that. That's where Frank and MTK need to be. But is, is that ultimately why they've ended up in America, do you think? I don't know, because as as I said earlier, and I was listening to, on my way back from York Hall last night, Gareth A. Davis doing an interview with Deontay Wilder, and he knows he's not a massive sports star in America. He knows he hasn't had those big paydays that perhaps an American world heavyweight champion should have had, deserves to have had. He hasn't got that exposure. He hasn't got those commercial contracts. He hasn't earned the money that others before him would have done. Um, And so to that end, that's why I'm surprised they couldn't get him over to the UK to try and break try and break into the boxing market a little bit more because that fight would sell over here as a you know you can push that on every football match every champions league game every rugby match you've got ready made audiences yeah. that will go fuck i don't really know who uh anthony yard versus so and so is i kind of know frampton warrington but fury wilder yeah yeah, yeah. It's like, true. i'm all over that it's almost like it's irrespective of whoever they get uh, a rematch and it happens in the UK you know if it happens then you know at least one of them has a loss on their record to one of the yes. others so it doesn't have the same appeal as it does right it now it doesn't uh, it does to a boxing fan it doesn't to a rugby fan Someone who sees an advert play, for yeah, it exactly um, especially if it's a one-sided fight in some way you know say that Fury goes out there and toys with him for 12 rounds say that Fury knocks him out in 5 say that Wilder knocks him out in 1 if it's a one-sided fight, yeah, then the interest dies for the rematch. Yeah, um, yeah. I say that's what surprises me that it would have been the perfect opportunity to break boxing out within BT Sport 
for and whatever that costs. And maybe they have to take a hit on it, but I can't imagine they would. I think yeah. you're solidly going to do 400, 500,000 buys off it. When it happened, when it was announced this was happening, we were very much sort of like, wow, this is going to shake things up. And this is the weakest way they could ha- they could shake things up. <laughs> we're going to have this massive monumental, you know, someone's, oh, it's got to go, heavyweight championship of the world but we're going to put it on over here. So, I mean, I realise over here is relative to where you are. Yeah, so but boxing isn't a UK-only sport. So no. in America, it's great for them. I'm chuffed for them. But I, I failed to see if they haven't bitten, if American fans haven't bitten to Wilder so far, why are they going to bite when Fury's over there? Yeah. Will they? I'm not, I'm not convinced. Like, as good a talker as Tyson is, as good as a, a hyper he is and a promoter he is in his own right, like, he can't do all of it himself. And if Wilder isn't known now, he's not going to be known because Tyson Fury turns up. I'm uh, not buying it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I say, I'm sorry to labour on the point, but it would have just been... the If you say it would have done 500,000 buys on BT Sport and started to help build their, their boxing product, if it was going to do 500,000, I can't even see it doing... 250 like i think it halves the number of people that are going to buy it by having it on that time in america uh, unquestionably maybe me, even less than half i don't know if you, if you had just hammered like you say all the champions league all the rugby and all that sort of stuff with uh, an ad campaign that started you know showing you the rumble in the jungle and saying you know the best fighting the best this is what we watch heavyweight boxing for all through the years you know um the Thriller Manila and all, you know, whatever. And you bring That's up... That's the two fights Andy knows. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> I, the, the, only other, the only other fights I know are... And then I was going to chuck in some Mike Tyson fight. <laughs> that is it. But no, you know, I suppose even if you look at it from like a casual perspective such as mine, throw in those big fights that are... The legacy. Yeah, that, that sit in the... Me- I mean, I couldn't tell you what... Who, the two fighters that fought in the Thriller Manila. I just know that it's a big fight in the legacy of boxing. And then say, and it's... You know, the, this is another one that's going to be historically important. You know, bam. And then go, Wilder Fury. Bang. And that's the sort of thing you would be like, yeah, I'm definitely paying for that. And like you say, and now it's kind of... Now, instead of that, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, this is on. And uh, get up at 5am to watch it. Yeah. No thanks. And maybe it's maybe the numbers that have been offered to Tyson and that Frank will take a cut of and MTK are huge. Maybe they are. Maybe that's why he's gone over there. But it does nothing for the long-term uh, BT boxing product for me. No, it does nothing, but it does a lot less than what it would have done otherwise. Um, well, I've got some questions, random questions, uh, a lot of them. But actually, on the um, Eddie <laughs> Eddie Hearn thing that started us down this road, Adam Thompson asks, why is Eddie in bed with the world of boxing, using a lot of their fighters to prop up shows? What does he owe them? I don't know, to be honest. So you've had, um, I'm trying to think who were their fighters. Was it Povetkin and the, the other geezer? Uh, his name escapes me. What does he owe them? I don't think he owes him anything, but I think when we talked earlier about how many shows he's putting on per year, over 52. Um, if you look at the matchroom stable, not a fucking cat in hell's chance that you're going to get 52 shows worth of reasonable product out of that stable. So if I'm Eddie Hearn, I'm making strategic alliances with anyone that I can. Anyone that I can. 
anyone that's got A, B, and C plus level fighters, I'm bringing them on board. I'm making friends with them. Surely the more, when he starts doing Matchroom Portugal and Matchroom Malta and stuff like that, he's going to need D, E, and F level boxers. He'll only go to places where the zone is a, an established product. So it might end up with Canada, maybe, because boxing isn't really that big outside of, say, Toronto. Is uh, there even. Is there even enough good level boxers to satisfy the demand of boxing shows that he's putting on there? So if you say you're up to 52 now, yes, there are. There are. But can you sign them all? No, because Al Heyman has a large large proportion of the American ones. And we know how that's gone. When he started offering contracts to Adrian Broner, we know he spoke about trying to get Manny Pacquiao on board. Al Heyman signed Manny Pacquiao in the end. So... Because it feels like some of the things that Eddie's doing, it's almost like when you look at Premier League football teams, Chelsea, Man City, Man, they all do their pre-season tours. Australia, China. You don't get, you know, Chelsea doing a, a pre-season tour of Germany because, mate, you're not going to get any more fans out of Germany. And that's what he feels he's setting up in these, like, his own Germany. Presumably a lot of uh, German um, uh German boxers are signed up to, I'm just going to throw two names out, the Salem Brothers and K2. Is that all the same? Yeah, yeah, pretty. But I mean, there aren't that many German fighters. So I think um, there are shows that go on in Germany, but the Sauerlands have kind of spread their wings with this World Boxing Super Series. So their own shows have taken a bit of a back seat. So they're not really putting stuff on. Um, K2 do... But German boxers don't really box outside of Germany. You don't see them because they have relatively successful shows over in Germany. Remember Rocky Fielding had to go over there for uh, Felix Sturm when he won his world title. Um, So yeah, there are shows in Germany, but those fighters are already in place. But it would make a lot of sense. Whoever's running those shows, be it K2 or whatever, if Eddie picks up the phone and says, let's be mates. Like I can help. I can yeah. take the production cost off you and let's have it for the zone. Um, that's what I say. If I was Eddie Hearn, I'd be ringing up all of these, right? Bansky at world at boxing. I'd be ringing up the Sowlands. I'd be ringing up everybody at K2, anyone that I could get my hands on to try and sweep up as much talent to bolster these shows. Look at that Matrium Italy one. You've got Tony Conquest going over there. You've got Martin J. Ward going over there. You know, they're not household names to anyone over here. And yet, they're the ones that are doing the groundbreaking in Italy. Like, good luck, lads. Um, <laughs> when he, well, so when he asks, what does Eddie owe them? It's more like, well... What Eddie, can they do for Eddie? Yeah, probably, Eddie wants what they can give him. Yeah. I mean, again, if I'm them, I'm saying, cool, but what's the what's the financial impact? What are you giving me out of this? And, you know, where's that billion dollars? Cut me in. If... Hearn doesn't make good with this holder's own thing, if it does sort of fall apart, where does that put him? Uh, kind of everything folds, doesn't it? It kind of doesn't, it doesn't make his business act, like credibility as a businessman. Doesn't that sort of really get affected by that? No, I mean, there are ways you can duck out of things um, that I think you can do with a bit of honour and dignity. At the end of the day, he's got so many minions in the UK that like adore what Eddie does that I don't think it really impacts his UK product too much if he fails over in America he'll tell us that he succeeded anyway and that he's completed it and he's back because you know couldn't do any more boxing (laughs) you know he'll tell us that story because that's what he can do he can just 
It's yeah. what he does. Everyone will say bullshit and then his fans on Twitter will be like, yeah, he's completed it, yeah. No one else in yeah. the world likes boxing. And if we go and doubt it, then, you know, he'll just say, well, they're wrong. Like, uh, Fucking transformer wankers. Yeah, exactly. So even if it was a spectacular failure, we wouldn't be told it was. And he would spin the narrative because he's very good at that. that it worked. It was brilliant. Bruce Tapp asks, where do I sit on the casual boxing spectrum? Um, identifying as a matchroom fan, but listening to the podcast religiously every week. Bruce, how can you identify as a matchroom fan? Like, you can't buy a shirt. I don't get this. Like, why aren't you just a boxing fan? Like, if Frank's... I, I genuinely don't understand. So if Bruce can feed it back, that'd be fantastic. And anyone else. But how are you a matchroom fan? Like, if Frank Warren puts on a fantastic card... Nah. Do you just go, nah, I'm not having it. Like, I have no no interest. Not unless there's some way, business-wise, matchroom attached to it, I'm not watching it. Yeah. No, I genuinely (laughs) don't understand. Like, I get if you're a fan of both, cool. But, like, don't single out one in that scenario. Maybe he can't watch a boxing match without hearing Sweet Caroline beforehand. Yeah, but Frank's, like, borrowing that as well, isn't he now? Does he uh, he use that actual song? Yeah. And then you get people tweeting Eddie going... Have you seen Frank stole your sh- your song? What? <laughs> the Frampton has started doing it anyway. That's where the reaction was grown from. Um, but yeah, no, I don't get me wrong. Where do you sit on the spectrum? You listen to us chat shit every week. Like fair play, because that's some effort. Yeah, that's some effort. <laughs> um, but he's hashtagged cornflake cruncher into it. <laughs> Well, Terry's not here to back that up, I'm afraid. I think Terry would be... Should be vicariously... Far more happy to give you a definite answer of where you sat on the spectrum. So you might have to wait until... I don't even know what the other end of that spectrum is, though. Like, if Cornflake Crunch is at one end, I don't know how far it stretches the other end. Um, Uh, But... Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, genuinely, though, Terry would probably say Terry. (laughs) Terry Terry squared. Um, So, yeah... I genuinely don't understand that. And I don't know if it's it's just used that hypothetically. I'm a matchroom fan, but I also enjoy Warren's shows. Or if you're like, I'm a matchroom fan and I despise everything anyone else has ever done in boxing. I, if that's the case, that's mental. It's mad. Uh, Jack Harding asks... Oh, actually, I'm... Well, this is totally off kilter. I've just literally gone to the next question. Don't worry. Is Jal Miller a smokescreen for Joshua to avoid Fury and Wilder for another year? Or does Eddie actually think he's any good? 100%. He's nailed it. Nailed it. Jamel Miller's pony. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Honestly. Like, it makes Joe Joyce look quick. <laughs> I, I couldn't give a fuck about him. That's the annoying thing. But we're getting him rammed down off. Well, yeah. we can't ram him down your throat. <laughs> fucking the worst porn star in the world would struggle to deep throat Miller. Um, yeah, so, look, you what was it six months ago the launch of the zone over in america where joshua was there to help launch it because he had the upcoming fight i think it was the parker one maybe i might have got that wrong but joshua was there to help launch it and then big baby miller crashed the event um like marshmallow man fucking going through new york or whatever it was um comes in sunglasses and then a hat and he's mouthing off and then like when all the cameras are off, there's still one camera on Joshua and he's like, oh, he's really pissed off his Anthony. Ooh. Ooh, he was raging that day. Absolutely raging. Thankfully, someone caught it on camera so we know he was raging. Um, 
But look, that's those seeds. Remember when we go back to White Chisora, the first one? Six months before that, they were captured off of some footage, like in a hotel lobby by the lifts, having a proper row, a bit of a head-to-head. And then that built over time. That was the seed that was planted. And that eventually grew into White Chisora 1. And that's turned into White Chisora 2, the pay-per-view. Because they put on a great fight. Fair play to them. Those seeds that Eddie's very good at planting, that Holder's own launch, Big Baby Miller turning up and rocking into Joshua's space, Joshua being pissed off. Yeah, 100%. In the same way... Um, yeah, in the same way that it's been done before. We've seen that these uh, these seeds get planted and he will be used as fodder for Joshua. And it will be fodder because the fat fuck will get punched to pieces. Um... I don't get, oh yeah, you keyboard warrior. I know Jarrell Miller would beat the shit out of me. I'm not doubting that. But as a professional boxer, he does not beat Anthony Joshua. But he's signed to Matchroom. And when it comes to fitting in a space for those voluntaries so you can keep other fights away or slipping him in through those mandatory routes, 100% that's what they'll do. Uh, Will, if Wilder wins next week, does the AJ fight happen in April? What are the obstacles? Well, there's one big fat obstacle that we just talked about. <laughs> Immovable. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't happen in April. I, I just don't no see chance. it. Oh, didn't we kind of cover this last week? Because there is a rematch clause. But, or is it only for Wilder? It's only meant to be one way, I believe, right. that if Fury wins, Wilder gets the rematch. I don't think it works the other way, although there were rumours that it does. Um, no, Wilder doesn't happen in April. For me... Um, Look, how long... Hearn keeps moving these goalposts. So initially, if you remember, he said December the 1st, I need to know. Um, I want that fight signed off for April. December the 1st. If it's not done by December the 1st when they fight, it's like, why do you need it done December the 1st for an April fight? It's madness. And then he started talking about the backup plan would be Dillian White. And then Dillian White gets a fight announced for December the 22nd against Chisora. So if you needed that fight signed off on December the 1st... Why were you able to wait 21 days? And your backup plan is fighting 21 days later, there's a significant issue there. <laughs> and so now he came out this week saying that, uh, I think, end of this year, like December 30th, December 31st, is the cutoff point that we need to know by handily a week after White Chisora. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, that goalpost keeps getting moved. To the advantage of Wilder? No, I don't believe so. If they've taken this long not to make a fight, nothing gives me confidence that they're going to take a lot less time to make a fight. Um, What are the obstacles? The obstacles... We said it before on here, right? If both men sacked all their advisors, managers, promoters, all their teams, and they could still generate the same money. If someone came along and said, here's $70 million, I'm sure Deontay would say, yeah, you know, I'll take 40, you take 60%. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my maths isn't that terrible. <laughs> I was wondering then. But- yeah. So, so, you know, I'm sure those two men, if you sat them down in a room and said, look, we'll, we'll hire out Wembley, we'll hire out somewhere in Vegas, whatever it is, this is the money, this is the pot that's available you get to take that money yourselves, just fight, they would do it. I'm sure they'd come to a reasonable split between two grown men out of it that are both going to hugely financially benefit. 
it's all the peripheral stuff. It's going back to that Barry Hearn on the edge of the fishing lake interview where he's talking about if it were down to me, like it wouldn't happen for another 18 months or whatever. There's no oh. need for it. All that stuff. Needs to marinate. Yeah, so look, do we need to hear all that? So Hearn's taking the attention off as well. So this week, it was back end of this week, he started talking about Brook versus Khan is going to be done early December like we'll get it announced probably next week because it was one of their birthdays I think nobody cares said this is his words when I said earlier about you say something put it out there and then leave it for others to challenge just say it as a fact that's what Eddie does his words were Brooke versus Khan is the biggest fight in British boxing outside of Joshua Wilder he just lays it out as fact like there's no uh, well doesn't mention Joshua Fury because that already is bigger. Yeah. Like <laughs> these things that are just said as fact that any you... fight that I'd care about would be bigger than that. Than yeah. If you told me Brooke five Khan. years ago that fight's getting made, I'd find it difficult to disagree with what he said. But this fight is just the marination Two... period has has overcooked <laughs> somewhat. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um Two burned chicken breasts having a fight. Yeah, so that if if Wilder uh, wins next week, that was will Michael eighty three answer that question. So I just skipped over that. So yeah, again, it's just it's almost Hearn creating those distractions to take your focus away from what's going on with it. Is to start building the next big thing that you can you can focus people upon. So you stop asking these questions about Joshua Wilder. Um, if Fury wins against Wilder, this is. Uh, Jonesy or K-Dog. K-Dog. If Fury wins against Wilder, will Hot Stig get a guest appearance on the pod? (laughs) (laughs) I feel this will push the pod to new highs. (laughs) He's reappeared, Hot Stig. Do you know he's on about, Andy? No, I've no idea. Nah, so it's... um, I do know his name. I'm not going to say it on it, to be fair to him. Uh, Stig. Hot Stig on Twitter. The uh, taxi driver. Came to our first live show. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Of course I do. Of course I know who he is. I rang a bell, but I really couldn't bring it yeah, to Yeah, yeah. So, look, the people... I, I've stood and spent time chatting with the man. Like, Are they very... His, his videos nothing on, else, the guy is passionate. Passionate? His videos on Twitter are insane. But they're brilliant. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you listen to this, my man. Um, you know, puppet in one of them as well. Yeah! <laughs> Eddie Essex. <laughs> the dude's like... And I've spent time talking to him one-to-one. He's perfectly sound bloke. But, yeah, those videos are fucking mental. Absolutely mental. Um, should we get him on? <laughs> yeah, let's get him on. As long as he brings the puppet. As long as he brings... That, that puppet is the key to us getting to the next level. Exactly. 100%. We want to be able to question Eddie Essex. Yeah, yeah. I heard that he went to school with Eddie Hearn, Eddie Essex. <laughs> did so he? So I want to know what Eddie Hearn was like before he was famous. Yeah. Uh, so did Jodie Miller. Um, what's her name? Not Jodie Miller, Jodie Marsh, the, oh, uh, yeah. the glamour model. She can Slash tell you. She can tell you what Eddie. Builder. She can tell you what Eddie was like before he was famous at private school. At private school. Yeah. She apparently. Um, yeah. She's got words about how Eddie is as a person, as an individual. No, no, no. Not, oh, not, okay. not the motion you've just made. <laughs> um, uh, which, to be fair, could. Could, uh, people listening to this will be thinking all manner of things. <laughs> it was the worst. Um, yeah, now someone tweet Jodie Marsh. Ask what Eddie was like at school. Her Paul Altai asks, what are your thoughts on the names that the WBC released had missed tests? 
Interesting. Um, I think Terry made the point once on here. There's no reason to miss a drugs test. Like there should not be any reason at all to miss a drugs test. As it's your job, it's yeah. your job, yeah. and as part of your job. Same. Do you remember when Rio Ferdinand? You remember, obviously, you United fan. Yeah, yeah. Rio Ferdinand missed the three drugs test. Was it that got him banned for X period of time? Did he? Oh, did he miss three? Did he? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. You're the no. United I think fan. he missed one test, and it was because he'd gone holiday or something. Yeah, I don't know. You know, Mo Farah. But, but they're not allowed. They're, there's a. They're not allowed to miss any. They can. They can reschedule it. I think up to maybe twice or something like that. But. He just missed it. I thought there was a leniency to some extent, and he went in the next day to have it done because there was you have to have it he done. Pissed it out. Uh, I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, whatever. Maybe <laughs> allegedly. Um, so Mo Farah, you know, famously missed the test when he said he didn't hear his doorbell because he was upstairs. Yeah. Like, how big's your house? Like, <laughs> and you can run really far and fast. Yeah, but you could have got to that doorbell. Bad hearing. All those gunshots, those starting pistols. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like my favourite story for that is the the after the um, I think it was the Germany after a Germany international match. Um, whatever they are, the, the whatever doping agency turned up at the dressing room after the match went. Yeah, we want to. We want to. Uh, uh, test this guy, this guy, and this guy. They went, nah, those guys are too busy. You can test these, this guy, this guy, and this guy, though. We'll give you a list of people you are allowed to <laughs> yeah, test. Exactly. Wonderful. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there are historical precedences of this. And um, Tony Yoka, he got a 12-month ban because he missed three, I think it was, in France. Um, you're a professional. It's your job to notify the the agencies of your whereabouts so that they can turn up and do the random testing. That's why I thought there was a uh, leniency around it. I, I mean, look, I, if you forgot to notify them where you're going to be, then you're allowed like two of those before a third strike, maybe. Yeah, I, from what with the Rio thing, I I, see, I seem to remember he actually went in the following day, but it was something to do with the circumstance of him missing that first one, whether it's because he'd rearranged it twice or missed two others or what i don't know um i'm sure there's people listening to this that could probably enlighten us so if you do know more about it then feel free to tweet us yeah. the, uh, so, so going back to paul's original question yeah. october the 1st to november the 20th testing span at this point so this is part of the wbc's uh clean boxing program the idea is that you clean the sport up paddy barnes the irishman ladumu lamati jamal charlo jamel charlo the two twins uh, Juan Jose Velasco and Patrick Teixeira all missed drugs tests that were declared uh, as missed as part of this boxing program. It's your job. It's literally your job to be there for a drugs test. Like, what are you fucking covering up that you're not there in a room having your drugs test? I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, maybe I do understand it and I don't <laughs> want to understand it. Um there's no excuses for me. There's no excuses whatsoever. And actually, this clean boxing program, why is there a leniency? Why is there a leniency at all? Like, if they're doing three strikes and you're out, I don't know if they are or they aren't, why? Why not just, look, we're trying to clean the sport up. We're doing our utmost to mm. do so. In the process, you need to play your part. You need to sign up to this, turn up for this, pass this. Uh, and it pisses me off when I see, like, WBC 
putting up tweets celebrating like Tyson Fury was clean in his drugs test. Like that that's the norm. <laughs> yeah. Well, it hasn't always been for Tyson <laughs> and we appreciate that as a history to that whatever and that's why it's something to celebrate maybe but yeah why are we celebrating fighters passing drugs tests that should be the norm tell me the exception when there's a problem so uh, Canelo it came out this week I think Tom Loeffler maybe uh, I think it might have been Tom Loeffler came out and said there was a drugs test scheduled post fight for Triple G Canelo and Canelo's team just like cancelled it <laughs> like nah nah nah, nah. Uh, I think it was maybe like 15 or 20 days after the fight I, I can't remember the details to right now but they basically went like nah nah not we're, we're not we're not taking part um, but look you've got a man who's got all these question marks all this history some of it proven through whether it's tainted meat or whatever like fucking do your bit do your bit yeah. to make this sport look as clean as possible do your bit to not put others at risk all these boxers the ones that we've named do your bit to make sure that this sport looks clean because it's not it's isn't not it, a clean sport isn't Terry- it funny like there was, athletics was under the and it generally is anyway under the microscope for drug drugs and it failed like all right you might get boxers like uh, sorry athletes like Usain Bolt who who um have, have been like clean all the, over the years or whatever. Yeah, might be. Um, but generally speaking, as soon as that microscope hovers over them, they fail. They fail historically with uh, Marion Jones and that sort of those sort of. Even go com- back to Seb Cole. Like, I don't think he actually failed, did he? But I know there's a lot of stuff about. It. Yeah. So like, if you read into where he. <laughs> then it comes over to boxing, and then you get all of the failed drug tests we've had, and all the you know problems that boxing has had. It just feels like we're, we're, unless you've got enough, and I'm assuming it's money and power, to basically push that gaze away, then like cycling, wherever that gaze ends up, it always gets exposed. And what, I, I, you don't get it in, you don't get it in football, you don't get it in rugby, you don't get it, those sports that, that realistically, when you look at stamina and what is required, I mean, tennis, look at tennis. There's blokes doing, playing for an hour and a half like every other day. And the rest, four hours, some yeah, of the games. Yeah, and every day sometimes. It's just like, I, I, I can't, but, I just can't, it, with a fucking brain on my shoulders that works relatively well, I can't buy into sometimes. the fact that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes yeah, I have blackouts. <laughs> Um, start talking about Mr. Brain products. Um, but yeah, um, I can't believe that sports are clean. I just can't. I just yeah. those sports you listed, right? Athletics has had its moment in the sun with the Russians. Cycling, yeah, yeah. clearly the the Lance Armstrong, the yeah. the era, the whole Tour de France stuff. There's not masses of money in those sports, like at the. Don't get me wrong, the Olympics, yes. Um, but you know, you're not you're not taking out a superstar at the Olympics, you're not taking out your same bolt. You're taking out some Russians. Like so what? Um <laughs> But you know what I mean? They're not the headline acts. I couldn't even no. name you a Russian athlete off the top of my head. Um Cycling, yeah, you've got to cut the head off that snake. You take Lance Armstrong out because he got greedy by his own admission. That's why he got caught, he got yeah. greedy. 
But look at the billions that the Premier League generates yeah. around the world. Look yeah. at the fucking gazillions that the World Cup generates around the world. Nobody, nobody wants that sport to come out as looking dirty because mm. it cuts off a lot of the income. If suddenly every Premier League team had one player that was guilty of doping and it all came out in a massive investigation, fuck, that sport is not dead, but it's damaged for a yeah. significant period of time. In boxing, Canelo gets done for clenbuterol. He gets a ban that covers six months. <laughs> like, what the Three fuck? Three of that is his, fuck, is his, is his camp for f- building up to his next fight. <laughs> what the fuck? T- fights twice a year. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not a huge impact upon the dude, is it? Like, I, I don't know. How can you actually be found guilty and get such a lenient term. Mm. There's the British athlete this week got found with clenbuterol in his system under the UCAD rules. He's been banned for four years. Wow. Four years for the same thing Canelo had in his system. I don't know what the levels were of each of them. That's kind of Terry's expertise. I just read the headlines. Um, but yeah, that's how the two different sports handle one who generates maybe the most money, maybe the second most behind Joshua, that's how he's handled when he's failed for clenbuterol. And you get the WBA or the WBC coming out and defending him. And yet in athletics, some guy that I can't remember the name of out of, you know, maybe the GB or the GB athletics setup, gets four years for the same same drug in his system. It's mad. It is. That is exactly what it is. Mad. Uh, UK Boxing One asks, has Fury... Has the Fury Wilder fight been overestimated in terms of numbers in America? It's getting stick for poor ticket sales. However, isn't it fair to say that only big names in the USA sell out venues? Same with Garcia Spence in in a huge stadium, but realistically, how many would it sell? Um, I don't know the US market. I'm no expert in the US yeah. market. In terms of like how many pay-per-views will it buy... What I do know is they made a big point of the £1 million worth of tickets they sold on day one, I think it was. Um, which what I do know about the American market is that they sell an awful lot at the beginning, not very many thereafter, and then they sell the walk-ons and as the event approaches, they get a second wave of of ticket sales. So I don't know how many that million equates to. Is that how many seats that equates to in the arena? I've no idea. Two very, very expensive tickets. Yeah, it could be. (laughs) Two proper ringsiders, (laughs) VIP free drinks all night. Um, I don't know what that equates to, but it'll be interesting to see. Like, will it, will it be sold out or will it have 50% of the place full? We said earlier about Deontay Wilder hasn't captured the imagination of America. Um, Watching an interview with Frank Warren this week, he was basically saying, look, I'm glad it's not my job to have to sell this. Like, Although I'm co-promoting it, you know, my name's on the poster. It's like, it's nice to take a back seat and let somebody else worry about all that stuff. To me, that wasn't a vote of confidence in what's going on with the event. That's like, fuck, if it goes belly up, like, <laughs> I'm glad I'm just there as a visitor. I'm glad I'm not there kind of, you know, taking the brunt of this. So unfortunately, I don't know enough about um, how many sales it will do? Will the the venue be sold out, etc.? Um, but again, I think if you were going to take a gauge of it against how big is it over here right now, I don't, I don't even think it's that big. 
Am I wrong? I, I, I hope it is big. Obviously, I, I hope it. I hope it does. I hope it goes bang and it and it a makes, million percent. Yeah. Again, but look, my benchmark for this. People will laugh about this, but it's it's almost true. My benchmark is my dad. I was around seeing my mum and dad this afternoon. Like, dad didn't mention to me about it. Dad didn't talk to me about the uh, the Fury Wilder fight coming up. Hasn't captured that imagination of... And my dad watches hours of sport, hours of rugby, hours of football, hours of cricket. It hasn't captured his imagination mm. to say... Is, you know, Fury Wilder reads a newspaper every day, reads a sports section every day. Something's missing. It's not quite clicked to bring draw people in. People who are boxing fans, people who are, you know, kind of fairly interested in the sport. Absolutely, it has. And it's a brilliant fight. I'm not dismissing it as a fight. I'm but, just saying... Like, just think of how much traction Mayweather got for his abomination of a fight. 100%. Uh, uh, and that was in America. And it was talked about relentlessly over here. Yeah. Uh, it just the two things are. I mean, I don't even know what happened. Didn't they? They didn't they do three um, uh, face-offs? Whether yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I saw something. The one of them where it was a bit weird and awkward. It was all weird and awkward. Yeah, but, <laughs> I didn't see the other two, and it's nothing no, it about was just, it. Yeah, copy and paste that somewhere else in the world. <laughs> um, the whole thing was strange, mm. but fuck the Mayweathers. Um, pure scripted, but. Something's lacking in this. Yeah. And whether that's because both lads are like proper into training camp and therefore yeah. can't release themselves to, to get and do it. I respect that. It's a hell of a fight. It's the biggest fight of this year, personally, for me. Like, it's the biggest fight. I'll be up, I'll be watching it, I'll be glued to it. But I just to me, it hasn't captured that wider imagination that's going to make it a huge commercial success. End of the day, I don't care. I don't get a fucking percentage of what each fighter makes. I don't care. But what it, what the risk is, this is why I do care about it, though. I don't get that percentage. If it's not a commercial success, then it makes the Joshua fight harder. Yeah, because if it's not a commercial success, if it doesn't do big numbers in America and doesn't do big numbers over here and doesn't sell out a venue, then say Wilder wins, Hearn will be laughing his socks off. Because as much as he was like, you know, 60%, 40% or whatever before, now he can say, look, I've got this cash cow in England. I've got the man who brings 90% of the money to the table. You're proven in a world fight against a lineal champion, the the second, third biggest name in the, the division, not to draw a penny, that strengthens the Hearn position. So I, I hope and pray that it's a huge commercial success because that levels that playing field out and hopefully makes the, the Joshua versus the winner in time, if it is Fury, because we know there's going to be the rematch if it's Fury. I hope if that's the case in time, it makes the other fight more feasible with Joshua. Yeah. Um, UK Boxing One also asks thoughts on the whole Warren bankruptcy story reported by a few outlets, but nothing again since. Is it just fake news? I think it's uh, a mountain out of a molehill, personally. I don't know. Uh, But from what I understood, it was a VAT, from what I'd read, HMRC issue, um, which... 
to try and declare somebody bankrupt or wind them up for bankruptcy. There are a lot of stages that you go through in that process. Um, and so that might have been that there's a, a tax issue. I, I don't there's know. And I don't three different... In UK law, there's three different versions of bankruptcy as yes. well, isn't there? There's like, I think it's something sick... Um, like stage six bankruptcy or f- uh, stage 11. Anyway, it's not really important. The fact is that basically you can go bankrupt and your bankruptcy is... I don't have any liquid funds. I've got seven hundred million pounds off of other stuff, but I don't have any liquid funds to do this. And then somebody somewhere whacks a gavel, and you go, "Sweet, see you later." And you still have all your stuff. I, that's what I understand, anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to pontificate about something I don't know any details about. Well, I don't really. I do. Understand. <laughs> Doesn't um, stop me. From what I, I have heard, stories that it's nothing to do with the boxing side. It's a personal financial issue. But again, I don't know that as fact by any means. I'm not saying. That is the case. It's just something I heard. Um, saying about like having liquid funds and shit. I had a... I'm not going to say who it was. Uh, a friend of a friend of a friend who um, I'd heard about who basically him and his wife were going through a divorce. He had quite a bit of money put to one side. Didn't want her to have any of it. And so said to a friend of mine, um, look, I need a way to stash this money away so it doesn't get taken in the divorce. But I need it to be like, somehow, how do we do this? And so they had a bet (laughs) (laughs) for this six-figure sum of money. Wow. And they came to an agreement between the two of them. We'll have this bet. And he lost. Wow, miraculous. And so he had to hand over, transfer all this money out to a friend of a friend um and then i believe after the divorce they had another bet (laughs) (laughs) and he won this time and he got all that money back into his account for you yeah what a lucky man so i don't know why that came into my head after that but um right uh we're gonna have to wrap this up soon let's Uh, talk about the actual fight we actually talked about the fight i don't know the well no no well, actually, it will, um, Dave McGinley asks, he wants a detailed breakdown of the prediction from everyone on the Fury Wilder fight and some guesswork on the AJ Wildcard opponent. Um, and then one last question. Have we talked about the fight preview? No, we haven't. Let's touch on his AJ Wilder uh, mystery opponent okay. before. Yeah. Because uh, then we can just finish up on the fight predictions. Right. What do you reckon? Because Hearn came out and said there's a wild card in play for... Uh, now, Mr. McGinley, he messaged me the other day. Um, his his guess was, ah, fuck it, I'm going to say it. He, he wanted it on record. So that oh, if okay. it happened, that was right. why he messaged me. But I'm going mainstream with it now. He reckons it's Tyson Fury. Really? Yeah, he reckons it. And it actually makes an awful lot of sense. Um, right, because... Say if he loses to Wilder... Yeah. You bring him over for Joshua. Yeah, that does make sense, but only if he loses, right? Yeah. Right. So all Hearn hasn't said That's it is going to be the wild, the wild card. Right. Um, he just said there is a wild card in play. So there's talk of it being Vladimir Klitschko coming back. Um, Bernd Bonte, his manager, said something about, you know, he's got another life now. It's not about boxing. Klitschko came out and went, I don't need a manager. Don't know what he's talking about. so as if to not rule himself out some people have said Vitaly Klitschko 
you know, he's doing his mayoral, mayoral, mayoral. Yeah, I think I think both are acceptable along the lines of skeptical and no schedule and schedule. Yeah, so he's out in Kiev doing his his mayor duties. Yeah, yeah. Um, what other wild cards could you have? Usyk? Usyk's not impossible. He's had a little tick over well, with Bell I mean, U, isn't he? Um, the long and short of it is that the beauty of this wild card is that actually Hearn doesn't even know, need to know right now, does he? Let's face it, he might be thinking to himself, if it might be exactly that. If Fury loses, I'll bring Fury over. The fact is, it doesn't matter what happens with Fury. Because if he does lose, brilliant, bring him over. If he wins and he's then contractually obliged to give Wilder another fight, Hearn can denial knowledge of any sort of thought process. And pff, no, it was always going to be Big Baby Miller. <laughs> Who knows? Um, it'd be nice. I mean, it'd be nice if it was a decent fight. You know, it doesn't even have to be Wilder or Fury. It'd just be... A decent, if it was Usyk, I'd consider it a decent yep. fight. Um, I don't want Klitschko, either of them. No. You know, he's already taken a, a an old man Klitschko who's been out of action once. I don't need him to take an older man Klitschko who's been out of action well, twice. Well, I don't mind if it's Klitschko, as long as it's both Klitschkos. Klitschkos. He's got to knock them both out. Like, he knocks, he knocks one out, and then as soon as he knocks one out, the other one gets in the ring. Ieba have talked about doing mixed um, mixed gender boxing. Okay. Like, I'm not making this shit up. I'm not high. Um, they've talked about doing mixed gender tag team boxing almost. Why not implement the start of this, but same gender tag team brothers? I would like to see tag team boxing. Yeah, they started with this. That would be cool. They'd be like Kane and Undertaker, the two yeah. kids, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, that would be cool, actually. Um, yeah, I like Frampton talk- versus AJ. He's like, quick, you've got to get out. And AJ's in the corner just hammering him. And he's like, <laughs> Just survive until he can tag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is why Aibra are going to get boxing kicked out of the Olympics because they come up with ideas when they're bonkers, clearly Bonk- like off their nut at some point. Um, so wild card ideas for me, it's got to be Usyk. If you're going to go wild card yeah. right now, I think let Usyk wild in the uh, in the heavyweight division. Tony Bell, yeah. Um, so I don't know as long as it's neither Klitschko. We've said all along. Do we care? I, I, I mean, I don't want it to be this, but I'd, in preference to virtually all other scenarios, I wouldn't mind it being white. No, look, so I said ages ago, if it's not Wilder, you've lost my interest. So I can't waver from that. I need it to be Wilder or I can't <laughs> be interested. I can't, because if not, that's what he wants. That's what Hearn wants is for the, the opinion to be so staunch when they talk about Joshua Wilder that people like me go, well, fuck it. If you can't get that on the table, I'm not interested. <laughs> and then in three months' time, I go, I'm a little bit interested in white. O- Usyk, but only because of what's happened in the last few months. Yeah, if- yeah. He's come into play on <laughs> yeah. it. But don't get me wrong. Like, as he was hammering his way through the World Boxing Super Series, brilliant fighter, brilliant fighter. You know, he gets every belt, he beats Bellew, and then he makes his intention clear that he wants to go into the heavyweight division. That's a different prospect to Usyk nine months ago where he was still working his way through his own division. Um, So yeah, Usyk would be where I'm at. If if it's not Wilder, I'll give him a pass on Usyk. Otherwise, I can't waver from that position of don't give me anyone else. Um, Big right hook, actually, they mentioned what something we've already done. Um, 
Please discuss the stranglehold Sky Sports has on our information, plugging White and Chisora with barely any mention of Fury Wilder. Yeah. Because they're not Is showing Matt, I mean, look, can we expect Sky Sports news to be non-partisan and report upon... You know, look, it, I'm a Spurs fan. If I want to see the Spurs score, but they're playing on BT Sport and I'm out, I can't go on to the Sky Sports news app because it's like six stories down. <laughs> if that was on Sky Sports, it would be the main headline on the app. We know that. We can't expect them to be non-partisan because... It's eh, not in their interests. Why would they? Mm. Um, so, is it right? No. Do I accept it? Yeah. I don't know how much BT Sports kind of news equivalent channel covers what's on Sky, to be fair. Like, let's... I, I, I can't give you a balanced view on that at all. I would suspect the answer is very much the same as how Sky Sports treats BT yeah. events. Um, shout out to Big Right Hook, though. They've got their second printed magazine out. They did their first one, uh, what's that, maybe three, four months ago? Um, but yeah, they've got their second one now. Look up Big Right Hook. That's right as in write down a word. Uh, on Twitter, they've got really cool little magazine, brilliant writers, people like me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you'll find a piece by me in there. But yeah, just a really like coffee table magazine, um, that kind of thing. It, it but looks, good, good writers as well, though, right? There are some good writers. Yeah, Michael <laughs> at uh, on the robes. Um, I have to, I have to do that. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely so fair. So, yeah, it's just it's a really lovely looking little piece. Uh, and they've been off promoting it and doing their hard work as they should do. Um, and yes, go and get your copy. You should do because it's really, really good. Right. We haven't discussed the fight. Oh, right. Okay. Bear with me a sec. Right. I'm finishing, finishing this off solo because um, Andy's sister's just given birth and he's just got the photo through. So I'm flying solo on this. So. Firstly, congratulations to Andy's sister. That's amazing news. Congratulations to her and Michael. Um, but yeah, so now it's just me, like sat on my own in the room of love of Andy's house. What do you want to hear about Wilder Fury? Bosh, bosh, bosh. Um, Big John Fury this week did an IFL interview where to me he gave away the answer to this. He talked about some of the, some of the things he wanted to see done differently. He wanted... Fury to fight someone like a Bellew in his comeback or as part of his comeback and then onto a White. These aren't the first two fights, but like as part of the comeback trail, take on a Bellew, take on a White and then work your way up to Wilder. He wasn't happy, wasn't confident in the way it's been done, which is to take the two uh, fights he's had, Pianetta and uh, the other fucker, I can't remember, uh, and then jump in with Wilder. I think that was really telling that he said about that. He talked about Ben Davison in a way that nobody else around that camp has talked about Ben Davison. It's not to be disparaging about Ben, but he was saying he's a young lad who hasn't really got the experience. And, you know, they've brought in Freddie Roach. They've brought in Ricky Hatton um, to presumably lend those experienced ears in the same way that um, a Jimmy Tibbs does to Shane McGuigan. So, yeah, he's... Um, it was quite telling in that regard that he he talked about it as if maybe Ben isn't the right person for him. It was just a few little tells from John Fury that to me almost gave away the fact that he doesn't think it's all okay for Tyson to be fighting him. Don't get me wrong, he still ended it with, look, he's, he's my son, he's going to win this fight. 
But you, it's rare to see those gaps appear in a team's confidence. And for someone like Tyson Fury, who clearly needs that that mental stability and confidence, I think that's a, a concern. Big John Fury won't be going over there because of his previous indiscretions. He's not allowed to travel over to the US for the fight. Uh, last time that happened was a Steve Cunningham fight uh, with Tyson Fury in America and John Fury didn't go. Um, and we know what happened in that fight. Tyson Tyson got clipped, went down, got back up, stopped Steve Cunningham. One of the more entertaining fights of Tyson Fury's career. Is it an issue that John won't be there? I think, yeah, it will. Because you go back to that Klitschko fight and all the, the mind games stuff where they tried to add the extra layers of, uh, of foam into the ring. All the other things that went on behind the scene. There's some great footage somewhere uh, that basically shows John Fury. And John Fury's a hard motherfucker. He's a, a big man. You don't want to be on the wrong end of, of John Fury. He's rampaging around those those German changing rooms. Like basically slamming doors, telling people to fuck off, do this, do that. Um, and yeah, if it wasn't for John Fury, an awful lot would have gone through that night that wouldn't have benefited Tyson. But, you know, he was there threatening, look, if you don't, if you go ahead with what you're trying to do, this fight's off. The fight doesn't happen. So not to have that influence for John Fury, someone who can do all the firefighting and leave Tyson. Because if I'm Tyson, I'm happy sat there in the changing room knowing I've got my dad, John Fury, out there doing all the firefighting for me. Who's going to take that role on now? Because you haven't got Peter Fury in your corner. Huey Fury, will he go over there with him? I, I don't know. I don't know what the family scenario is there. But you've lost a lot of that stability that was there that night he beat Klitschko. You've lost a lot of those people. And I'm not saying that Wilder will try and play the same tricks that Klitschko did because no, I don't think he will. I don't think he's that kind of person. And Klitschko got years and years of this experience of doing it. But if he does, or if he tries even a small percentage of it, who's going to be who's going to be there to stop it? And that's where the family issue comes in. You know, Tyson was built for that Klitschko fight around the family, around having Peter, John, around having Huey around him. Um, and then some of the other people, Azgter, uh, Asif Vali, all these people that have been around him for years and years. How many are still there? Not the family ones. And that's that's because there'll be others there. Of course there will. There'll be Tommy Fury with him. Um, but you want that older head. You want those older heads to keep things calm and quite especially especially someone like Tyson going into this. So for me, I think that's that was the giveaway. How's it won? <sighs> Is it as simple as to say Wilder knockout or Fury points? Probably. But we know Wilder can box. He boxed uh, relatively poor that night. Stiverne boxed his head off uh, and then stopped him in the second fight. <sighs> Do I see him out boxing Fury? No, not a hope. Um, has Fury got the sharpness, the stamina? Has he still got the freshness in him to to work his way to a, a twelve round points victory over Wilder? Yeah, I think maybe he does. But my prediction is a Wilder stoppage, and that's purely based on the the little cracks that we saw out of John Fury. I think maybe there's there's possibly more to um, to that than on face value but look this is getting difficult now because I'm sat here talking on my own in a room while Andy's off celebrating the birth of his niece or nephew and Terry's at home looking after his back so I'll leave you all to it prediction wilder stoppage um, but look that's all I, I'm all for buying this fight because I want to make it a commercial success I want to make the sport 
better. It's a fight that's worthy of me paying my money over for. I'm okay with that. Um, and I hope it is a, a massive successful. I hope it's a good fight. There is the worry. It's a Tyson Fury fight. He doesn't always make fights that exciting. Um, I think Wilder will be able to stop that from happening. I think it'll be a good fight. Um, so yeah, roll on Saturday night. One and all, take care. Uh, pleasure speaking to you. And we'll be back soon. Take care. Watch it.